I'm one of those people in the morning um, that this is me. If my eyes are open, I'm awake. If, I mean, there's no, it's like, like my personality, it's amazing. It's either on or off. If, if my eyes are open, I'm full awake. If my eyes are closed, I'm out of it and I'm just asleep. And, you know, as I've gotten older, what's happened in my life is I find my light coming on earlier and earlier and earlier, but my light goes off earlier and earlier and earlier too. Like, uh, I'll go to sleep, but we'll all sit down to watch a TV show, me and the girls, Jen, and man, by 8.30, I'm out. I don't even remember anything from that point on because I close my eyes, I go out. In the morning, the minute my eyes open, I'm fully awake. I mean, there's no, I don't need a warm-up time, if that makes any sense. Now, Jennifer's the exact opposite of me. Jennifer, she, I'll, like say, I'll wake up, say, 5, 5.30. Normally, with this time change thing, I'm usually awake by 5 or 5.30 because um, the, uh, as the sun was coming up, I would be awake. And if my eyes are open, that's the level I am. Now, Jennifer's totally different. So most mornings at our house, I wake up, I'm, my eyes open, I'm like, mm. and then I start waiting. And I'll sit there and I look at it and I'll wait. And I'll wait. I'm waiting for a little wiggle. I'm waiting for a little move. Waiting for it because the minute she does that, are you awake? And she's like, no, leave me alone. And she's one of those that we have a rule at our house now that I'm not allowed to talk to her until she talks to me first. Because uh, I'd be sitting there wide awake waiting for her to get up. And I know you're awake. I know because she'll be rolling. To, I know she's awake, but she says she's not awake. And the other day I said, are you awake? And she says, no. I said, then how are you talking to me? You're not talking to me in your sleep. And she's like, leave me alone. I don't talk. I don't, I'm not awake yet. Send that say this. We're in a series called Awaken because I'm in my spirit as a pastor. I pray, I ask God to show me what we're seeing, where we're going, what, what's happening. And I know this. There are people in our church. There are people around the world. Their eyes may be open, but they are in a sense of sleep. And I pray today, I prayed all week. As a matter of fact, I went to sleep so early this week, I was going to sleep like at 8 o'clock. And so I woke up on nearly every morning this morning, at two th- uh, this week at 2.30 in the morning. It was the weirdest thing. And I would get up and I would begin to go over the scriptures and things that God has given me for today. Because I truly feel in my heart, God is trying to awaken somebody right now. Because the problem with being asleep is you can sleep right through something that is very important. You can sleep right through something. I don't know if you ever oversleep. See, now this waking up early thing is new to me in my adult years because when I was a teenager, I mean, three alarm clocks wouldn't wake me up. And I would oversleep and sleep past work or sleep past tests and sleep at... But every time I ever slept through something, it ended up costing me greatly. I've lost jobs because I wouldn't get out of bed. Um, you know, failed tests because I didn't get out of bed. I was asleep. And I don't want anyone at this moment in history to miss what God has put them here for because they're asleep. And so today I want to just break down where we are and what I say God's timeline. You know, you ask anybody right now how they're feeling, what's going on, they'll say, man, everything. I'm ready for things to get back to normal. How many guys are ready for things to get back to normal? I want to tell you something. It's never going to go back to normal. You need to understand this. This is normal. I'm not saying it's always going to be a pandemic, but life will never go back to the way it was before the pandemic. This pandemic is not just a virus. 
there's something supernatural going on in the world today. And I'm going to try to explain it the best I can, what's taking place in the world today. Because, you know, there's a new movement going across America right now, and it's called the woke movement. And America is becoming awakened to the sense of of racial injustice. They're becoming awakened to the sense of economic issues. They're becoming awakened to the sense of police brutality. They're becoming awakened to the sense of health and safety things. We're becoming awakened to the sense of social distance. There's an awakening going on right now. And I'm afraid that the awakening is happening everywhere else. At the same time, the enemy's putting the church to sleep. And I've been preaching on this for several weeks. You've heard me say in, in um, Mark chapter 16, it says, when the Lord comes back, He says, don't let me find you sleeping. So that tells us that in Ephesians, it says that there are wiles of the devil. It says that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. One translation says the tricks, the schemes of the devil. And if that scripture says, Lord, when the Lord's coming back, He says, don't let me find you sleeping. That lets me know what one of the tools the devil's going to use when the day comes is to put... Christians to sleep. And so we're on this series Awaken. And there's nothing more annoying than when you're asleep to be around somebody that's awake. You can ask Jennifer. It's like that way every man at my house. I'm always awake and I'm always trying to wake her up so she get up and talk to me because I don't like being awake and not talking to somebody, which is not me. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And you know, I, I, I traveled this week. I left Alabama this week at a 4 a.m. And you would think, all right, when you leave that early, it'd be a quick, quicker drive, no or anything. That was the longest drive I've taken in a long time because from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m., I couldn't call nobody. And so there's a four-hour trip in my car that I couldn't talk to because nobody was awake and I wasn't going to wake nobody up because it would have been rude. And so it's, you know, I, I'm one of those that when I'm awake, I want to... But Jennifer can't stand to be around me when I'm awake and she's asleep. And I know in this season that I'm preaching now that I know that the Lord is waking me up more every day for some, towards some things. And I know that, that I'm offending people maybe with the messages I'm preaching. It's not the most popular. I've been you know, on Facebook getting emails about, are you just trying to scare people? I'm not trying to scare anybody. People are getting annoyed because some people like to be comfortable in sleep. But I'm not going to be a guilty pastor of letting people sleep when I know the Lord is trying to awaken them. And so we're going to jump into this today. What in the world is going on right now? All right, you got to understand the way the church, the way timeline has been laid out. Um, in Bible school, they use a terminology called a dispensation. That's a big biblical word. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember when I went to Bible school and I had to take the class called dispensational truths, and it was the most boring, straight-laced professor at the college there and I dreaded knowing that class was going to come on my docket because I was going to have to go to dispensational truths and I was like gosh that's boring and I want to I got to preach today on some dispensations and I know that's a big word but I'm going to try to break it down let you understand all a dispensation is is the order or system of the way things work that's what the basic definition of the word dispensation it's a order or a system of the way and so 
as a church, we believe in dispensations. Now, that word's not in the Bible. That's just a terminology for order or systems of the way God does things. And what that means is this. When you're reading through the Bible, it's different because if you don't understand dispensations, when you read through it and you see how in the Old Testament, God would get angry and just the ground would open up and everybody would fall in and they would all be dead and the ground would close back up. You think, man, that's the God I serve? No, that was a God. That is the God. But it was a different dispensation. And what that means is a different point in time. There were different things going on in the supernatural world. The best way I can describe what dispensations is, is through the life of a person. Dispensations are different amounts of time or different stages that since time began, the world has gone through. There are seven different dispensations that we see in the Bible since the point of creation till the return of the Lord on the millennial reign that will happen or take place in God's order or system or timeline. There have been six up to this point. There's one more dispensation left in the timeline or system of the Bible. And so it's kind of like understanding it like this. If you have a little boy or a little girl, when they're born, they're in what you call, an, they're an infant. They are an infant. You know, there's, there's a distinctive difference between an infant and a toddler. If you're a parent, you totally understand what I'm saying. An infant is someone that you have to change their diaper, you have to hold, you have to feed, you have to, they can't do it. They, I mean, if, if they're just, they're, if you're a parent, you've ever held an infant, you know, there's a distinctive difference between an infant and even a baby. But the same infant after a certain amount of time and certain benchmarks are made in their development, they go from infant to baby. And babies are different. You set a baby up in a chair and try to feed it peas, it gets it all over. You can't do that to an infant. Babies can't eat certain things. So that same child, matter, same matter of time, through different benchmarks in, the, in its life and history and development, it becomes a baby. Then it goes from a baby to a toddler. Now, toddlers are totally different than babies and infants. You know, they, they can do more, be more, but different developmental things, you, you know, they, can, they begin to start to count, they begin to all, all right, but then they go from toddler to child. Totally different. Same, they we're talking about the same person. And with the length of time, different developments, different benchmarks, they go into childhood. Then they go from childhood into puberty, pre-adolescence, and Lord mercy, Everything goes haywire. The sweet little kid that you... I got one headed there now. And more, this used to be my baby, my favorite kid, my firstborn. And now I'm like, who are you, stranger? You're in my house. Um, she talks to me and rolls her eyes. I'm like, what in the world? You can't be the same kid. But it's the same kid, but it's a different phase, stage. Then we go from this stage, the phase of pre-adolescence into teenagers, then go into young adulthood, which is totally different. Then adulthood. Because if you want to know somebody that makes a lot of mistakes but doesn't think they ever do, it's a young adult. You take that same person, let them become adult, and they look back and think, man, I didn't know anything during all that time. It's, it's a totally different phase. Then, they, then for, like for men, we go into a phase where we quit producing testosterone. Our hair starts falling out. You know, we don't want to move as fast. Our muscle tone starts going. And women, they move, start moving into... Um, menopause, different phase, same person, different time, different benchmarks. Then they go into senior living, older people that the same problems and things that were existing in all the other phases aren't there. That's the best way for me to describe dispensations. From the point of creation, when God created 
till what the Bible says, the end of the world, but yet the millennial reign forever in heaven, there are different stages in their dispensations. There are seven dispensations we see in the Bible. The first one, I'll try to explain them to you best, and we are going to go somewhere. The first dispensation is called the dispensation of innocence. That dispensation of innocence is from the point that God said, let there be. Now, I've got to be asking you, I-, I love that the fact that God said, let there be, because whatever's going on wrong in your life, whatever's dark, all it takes is God saying, let there be, and it can't keep it from happening. But God said, let there be, and then... God created, and He created man, He did, and there was called the dispensation of innocence all the way to the point where Adam and Eve bit the apple. And when Adam and Eve bit the apple, everything changed. Because up to that point, it was God walking with them in the cool of the day, in the garden, relationship with God, nothing between them. It was an age of innocence, but it was called the dispensation of innocence. But when Adam and Eve bit the apple, boom! Everything changed. And we went out of the age, the dispensation of innocence and we went into the dispensation of conscience. And from when Adam and Eve bit the apple till Noah built the ark, we were in the dispensation of consciousness. In other words, before then, Adam and Eve, the Bible says, did not know right from wrong. There wasn't a choice. All they had to do is do what God said. Don't bite that tree. They did not know why they didn't bite the tree. They were totally obedient to what they were innocent. But then when they did bite, they listened to a different voice. They bit the apple and they became aware of right and wrong. They were, had the ability at that moment to make a choice. See, at that point, they couldn't make the choice of right and wrong because you say, yeah, they did. They bit the apple. No, they listened to the other voice. Because the Bible says when they bit the apple, they, they bit and they had the knowledge at that moment of good and evil. So, when they bit it, everything changed. And all of a sudden, where they were born to live forever, and they, they did not know death, all of a sudden now, here they are starting to die. And time progressed. And people died that had never died. Animals died that had never died. And people made choices of right and wrong. And up to that point in Noah, people in the human race had made the wrong decisions. And well, it says God looked at the earth and the earth had all decided to go against God but one man and one family. And so he built the boat, put all the animals on it, and it rained. And everyone died. And when that happened, when everyone died, boom! Everything changed. We entered into a new dispensation. The new dispensation after that is the dispensation of human government. After the flood, the boat race said, human government, humans began to rule and lay and decide and judge and do things for right and wrong. And from, from the flood all the way until Adam and Eve, I mean until Abraham, a man born by Abraham, we were in the dispensation of human government. Now, there was a man named uh, Abraham. He was born. And the Bible said this. The Bible said that he had a relationship with God. And when God would tell him something, he would believe it. And so when God realized that when God would tell Abraham something, he would believe it, God started making promises to this man that were impossible to happen. And when Abraham believed the promise, we, boom, everything changed. We moved into a different dispensation. And we moved in from the dispensation of human government. We moved into the dispensation of promise. And from that point on, God gave people promises of what he was going to do and how he was going to do it. And the world and time was governed by the promises of God. But then as time continued on, 
The Bible says that the children of Israel who came out of Abraham from promise have found themselves now living in a point of slavery in Egypt. They began to cry out to God, God help us change it. What's going on? God pray, we help us do this. And the Bible says that God did. And a man named Moses was born on the earth. And when Moses was born on the earth, God caused through supernatural circumstances for the ten plagues and the uh, different signs that happened, and boom, God released the children of Israel out of slavery. Boom, everything changed. We moved into a different dispensation. And at that moment, God gave them the Ten Commandments and gave them the law. And so the way they had always done things to that point has now changed, and their lives were governed by the laws of God. And that was the dispensation of law. And so for 1,500 years, people had a relationship with God under the blanket of the dispensation of law. And the problem with the law is this. If you break it, there's punishment. If you kept it, there was protection. And that's a hard way to live. You say, okay, we live that now in America. It is. But aren't you seeing that change? Two days ago, they burnt down a police station in Portland and cops were in it. When did we ever think we would live in America? We could burn down a police station with cops in it. Everything is changing. And I want you to understand where we are in God's timeline. Alright, so when the law, thinking that people would be stoned for breaking the law, or people would be blessed for keeping the law, all the way through the New Testament, I mean Old Testament, which brings us into the New Testament, that was the dispensation of law. People will govern and keep people live by the laws of God. And that's where you see God acting and moving differently. Then we find ourselves in the New Testament. And God says, things are time to change. So he looks and he finds a young girl named Mary who was a virgin who had kept herself clean, who kept herself right before. The Bible says she had found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And God said that God wanted to use you. And he put Jesus, put the child of God inside her. She brought him into the world. And for 33 years, Jesus walked this earth. And then when he died on the cross, boom, Everything changed. We moved out of the dispensation of law and we moved into the dispensation of grace. In other words, none about, nobody deserved Jesus to die for them. But He did. And everything that I've ever done wrong, because I did it wrong, I should have been by law judged for it. But because Jesus came and died and the dispensation changed everything. Now the price that Jesus paid for my sin, if I accept it, it's gone. And so our, everyone in here's entire life they've been living, you've been living under what they call the dispensation of grace. We've been given things we don't deserve. We've been blessed in ways that no other generation has ever been blessed. We've had freedom that we've, no one has ever had in any time in history except back to the dispensation of innocence. But where we are now in God's timeline is where, have you realized that everything's different? I'm not just talking about a virus. Everything is different. Everything around us in every way is awakening to something new. God has a time clock that is clicking in heaven that is counting down, the Bible says, to the last dispensation. And this is where we are in history. We are in between, we're in the space between the dispensation of grace as we enter into the dispensation of the millennial. And there are certain things that will happen in between this space. Like, see, when Jesus was born, it didn't instantly happen grace. 
There was the, the way dispensations work, as you're coming out of one, you're going into another, they overlay each other. It's kind of like when a kid's going from childhood to um, adulthood, they hit that adolescent and their voice starts cracking. <laughs> like they'll be talking like a kid one minute, and all of a sudden it'll change and be like a, ah, and then it'll go back. It's this, it's this transition moment. Does that make sense? I got one of my girls, she's right there because one minute she'll be playing Barbies on the Barbie house, but then the next minute she's too cool to do that and she's wanting to watch teenage shows on TV. And so she's just like bouncing. I never know which one I'm going to run into. And so it's because she's in this transition moment in history of her life. We are in this transitional moment in history right now. We are coming out of a dispensation of grace and everything we know. So what's going on in the world is more than a virus. What's going on in the world is more than racial injustice. We are, what's going on in the world is a supernatural shift that's happening in God's timeline. And everything that we used to know is about to change. Now the problem with the, tra- the change we're about to go into is the last. And everything's going to change for the good for those who know the Lord. It's a, it's a shifting that's taking place. And everything we've ever dreamed of, everything we've ever longed for, is about to be a reality that we're all about to live. We're going to live in heaven for eternity. And I believe this is the generation that will go there without seeing it through the grave. I truly believe my kids will go to heaven without ever dying. I truly believe that me and my wife could as well. We've never been this close. People say for years, yeah, the Lord's coming back. They've been saying that for years. They've never been this close. John in the Bible says we're in the last hour. We're in the last seconds of the last minute. If in the Bible it was in the last hour. We are there. And that's why nothing makes sense. Because what has always been is changing into something that has never been. That's why leaders right now can't find answers. That's why governments right now can't understand because there's no natural fix to a supernatural change we are moving into a time in history that we've always read the last days is the now days and we're in this gap if this is the generation or this is the dispensation of grace and this is the dispensation of the millennial reign we're here in God's timeline right in the middle and there are certain things that are going to take place in this timeline one, the rapture is going to take place. The Bible says that the Lord's going to come back for His church. And He's going to take the Christians out of here. You say, Cricket, that's some crazy stuff. Who, how crazy is it the entire world shut down over a pandemic that didn't exist a year ago? Nothing makes sense. The only truth we have is the Word of God. I'm not preaching to scare people. I'm waking people up. So the rapture is going to take place. You want to know when? Any time, any minute. Any time, any minute. All right? After the rapture takes place, the Bible says we move into a seven-year called tribulation. Not us. The church will be taken. But the world that is left here will go into what is called a seven-year tribulation. During that seven-year tribulation, what will happen is the Antichrist will come onto the stage. In the first three and a half years, he's going to be the answer. He's going to know all the answers. He's going to know what to do and how to do it. The last three and a half years, he's going to take his mask off. And the world's going to see him for what he is. And when that takes place, after that seven years, then the Lord will come back again and we move into the next dispensation. So we're in this gap between. You say, well, Cricket, why show me a gap? Here's a gap. Dispensational law. When the, the law was governed, Jesus was born, and for 33 years, there was a gap. 
Because everyone was used to running by the law. Here comes Jesus for 33 years walking the gap. And then when he died, it went into this place of grace. But for 33 years, there was this weird conflict. The church was supposed to, you know, you couldn't uh, work on the Sabbath. Jesus would walk through a field and pick wheat on the Sabbath. And they were like, what? You can't do that. That's not what was. Everything had changed. At that point, you couldn't touch a dead body. Jesus touched them everywhere, but when he did, it didn't defile the body. It didn't defile the person that touched it. When Jesus touched the body, the body woke up and lived. Instead of the body messing up the Christian, the Jesus messed up the dead body and changed it. Everything changed in the process of a dispensational change. Everything that we've always known in the supernatural world begins to change, and we're in the process. Of the gap, we're moving into a new dispensation. You say, Cricket, are you telling us it's scary? No. I want you to be aware. Because this is not a scary thing. Every time Jesus talked about it in the Bible, of the last days, he said, don't be afraid. Don't be worried. This is a good thing. I'm more excited about my life right now than I have ever been excited about anything. I'm more awake right now than I've ever been awake about anything. Why? Because I get to be one of the ones that will help God take what has always been into what has never been before. Every time there was a dispensational change in the Bible, God used people to bring it about. And right now, we're in the change of dispensation. And God is looking for people to move well, the first dispensational change that happened, it was not God decided to go from innocence to consciousness. It was a man and a woman. Actions that changed the dispensation. When it came to changing into the dispensation of promise, it was because of what Abraham did that made the shift. He believed in God when no one else did. He believed what God told him. And the Bible says God had contributed to him as righteousness. Alright? When Jesus was on the earth, what Mary and Joseph being who they were and allowing God to use them to bring about the change. For 33 years they parented Him. Then boom. God is looking for and we have a role to play in this. I want to pull out just for a couple minutes to what I believe to be the, the most evident of roles that people and what I believe the same enemy has been trying to do to Christians in the church during this change and during this gap so that we can have the choice to awaken. When they... When it went from the dispensation from promise into the dispensation of law, the Bible says there was a baby born in a very hard circumstance. The enemy knows when things are changing as well. These are supernatural changes that is taking place. You say, Craig, I don't believe in the supernatural. You don't have to believe in gravity either. But it's affecting you right now supernaturally the devil knew there were things so the Bible says that Pharaoh rose up and drew a law to kill every baby he was trying to kill the one he didn't know who it was he was trying to kill the one that God could use alright and so he was the devil missed out on killing Moses they put him in a basket sent him down the river and God took the Pharaoh's daughter put him in the enemy's camp and it kept him safe but God used Moses to bring about the dispensation of promise and make the transition into the dispensation of law, which, which set the stage for the dispensation of grace to come. What's going on right now is the dispensation of grace has set the precedence for the dispensation of millennial reign to come. Things are getting in order and the devil knows it. The Bible says the devil goes around like a royal lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil knows it. 
He's doing everything. So do you know the organizations across the country that have, or even across the world, that have taken more abuse and persecution during all of this pandemic? It's been the church. Church attendance is down lower in America than it's ever been. Church laws are being passed right now. I'm not going political. They're, never, they're, they're saying you can't worship, sing in churches in certain states. They're making laws. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not plural. I'm saying you can see how the devil's fighting everything he can do to keep the thing that God's going to use to help transition out of this stage to the next. And so that's what's going on. Everything around you going on that you don't understand, it doesn't make any sense. I've got to be honest with you. When has, this, when has a, a virus ever caused this kind of chaos? It never has. And so we're in a transition, which is a good thing, but the enemy knows it too. That's why the enemy knows it. But what I've watched take place in this transition, I feel like this is the word the Lord's told me to speak of, is the same thing I've seen happen, we can see happen in the scripture when it went into the dispensation of law. God had put an answer there and the devil tried to stop it. The, de- the, the devil during these processes tried to stop the church. He's made people go online, people go into different... The enemy's tried to stop the Moses or the deliverer of this dispensation. But he couldn't. Look at you. You're here. There's people online right now that even though they can't, they're here. If you're online right now, let us know you're here. Put your name. You don't understand how important it is for here. You say, well, how do you know it's the church? Because if you go to Hebrews... This one ain't a Moses, this is a church. If you go to Hebrews chapter 10, it says there, Therefore, I'm just going to jump down to verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. All right? Who is this talking about? It tells you right here. For not forsaking the assembling together of the brethren. When we come together as a church... And you say, well, Korea, why do you say this is what God's going to use for this gap? Look at it. It says this. It says, don't forsake the gathering together of the brethren in this manner of some, but exhort to come together, encouraging one another, so that more of you see the what? Day. Capital D. The moment of the return of the Lord. He tells us right here, there's a day but he's going to use the church to help make that transition. That's why it says you have to be, you got to know, you got to be a part of a church. Got, don't let the enemy, so the enemy is trying to pull people away, put people to sleep, and if you fall asleep at the wrong time, you will miss something that you were supposed to be a part of. Because one thing no man has ever been able to stop is time. The only person that's ever been able to do it is God. And so time is going. And the day is approaching. And God's going to use the church. People coming and being a part and staying together, part of the church, to make the transition. So what does the church do? The church has to be awakened and aware. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Awaken and aware. So that the roaring lion, the devil goes around like a roaring lion. In Matthew, I mean Mark chapter 16, it says this, when the Lord says, when I return, talking about the day, when I return, do not let me find you sleeping. The enemy has tried to use this moment to put the only thing that can keep this moment from shifting in to stop. He's trying to use, put the church to sleep. And the Lord put this on my heart a month or two ago. We must awake. 
you must awake. We're going to go back and look real quick, God, just a couple points. You say, well, Kirk, how do I wake him? Well, let's go back and look at Moses. Moses, the, the devil tried to destroy Moses so he couldn't change the, the season in time. How many of you guys are feeling extremely exhausted right now and you're just tired? Everything in life is making you tired. You know, one of the most prophetic books in the Bible is Daniel. And in the Bible, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, it says this. It says, And he will speak words against the Most High, speaking about the spirit of the Antichrist and the prophetic sayings. It says, To wear, read it in the King James, it's amazing. It says, To wear the saints out and to change the times and the laws. We're in one of those moments. That's why everything's so exhausting. That's why just thinking about everything going on is just wears you out. People are walking around just saying, I'm so tired. Why? Because the enemy's trying to wear the saints out. What do you do when you get tired? You go to sleep. And see, the enemy's trying to put... And you say, well, Cricket, what, what does it look like to be asleep? We're going to look at it here at the life of Moses. Moses was born with purpose and destiny at a time that God was using to change everything. We're at the brink of a dispensation. The dispensation, one is closing, one is changing and opening. And when this one does, God's going to use people that are born right now. If you are alive right now, there's a call of God on your life to be used in the dispensation of change at this moment. You have a de- Moses had a distinctive call. The Bible says that he was called to be a deliverer. God don't love Moses any more than he loves you. There, I believe there would have been more deliverers that day to help Moses, but the devil killed them all when they were born. You're here. God's put a protection around you your whole life. God, there are times you shouldn't have been here. There are things you've went through that you shouldn't have made it through. There's been wrecks and plans. That they, that the enemy, just like the devil, tried to kill Moses. You're here because God is going to use you to change what's going on in the world right now. And so Moses knew I had a call. There's a destiny on me. Not only did he have a call, he was divinely put at that moment in time. You are here because you are divinely put at this moment in time. Now the thing about it was this. Moses was born an Israelite, but he found himself living in a palace. Most of our lives, we didn't recognize the areas we're living in as Christians. We didn't recognize where we're living. We were never born to live in. We were never born to live on this earth for eternity. We're living in a palace. I'm so thankful I'm an American because there are people that live in different places around the world. I'm thankful that God born me here because I've got to be honest with you, my life's been pretty good as an American. I feel like I've been in a, in, a, in a palace my whole life compared to different places in different parts of the world. But see, God took Moses and put him in a palace, in a place there, but he was never intended to stay there. We're never intended to stay here. We were put to live in eternity. The Bible says to rule and reign in heaven. So we're in a dispensation of shift and change. But God took Moses and put him in a palace. But then this is what happened. Moses recognized that even though we lived, he, he had a great life. Everything was good. But there was still something on the inside of him that wasn't enough. He knew that I mean, he, he was a prince in the most powerful nation in the world. He could do and go and be anything he wanted to do, but it wasn't enough. He still had this thing on the inside of him that there's got to be more to this than just getting a nice car and just living in a nice house. There's got to be more to this than just having money in my bank account because he had all that. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, it says he forsook all that because he understood there was a greater purpose. So that means at some point in in his first 40 years, Moses woke up. And he realized that there's a destiny attached to me that's bigger than comfort. 
But see, the enemy would love to make us think this is, this is all so bad just because we're so uncomfortable. We can't go eat where we want to and go do what we want to and hang out where we want to, sit where we want to. This is more than comfort. You can give you, I could give you everything you've ever wanted right now. In just a matter of time, you would still know there's got to be more. You say, try me. I wish I could. But I don't have to. I can read it in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Moses had it. Oh! But it wasn't enough because he was born with destiny. It says he forsake the fortunes of Pharaoh. Because there's destiny. He awoke to the fact that there's a destiny on his life. And it's more than comfort. Then the Bible says this. So he rose up and tried to do something about it. But he tried to do it on his own. I don't know about you. You know how many things in my life I tried to make work that didn't? How many things that I tried to do on my own? How many relationships I would break because I was doing what I wanted or thought I should do or how to do it? Or how many uh, people's feelings are or how many jobs I uh, all the, How many things have you wrecked trying to do them on your own? But see, because you were never supposed to be able to do what you're destined to do on your own. And Moses got up and he killed an Egyptian, the Bible says. He saw the problem, stepped out to fix it, and he killed an Egyptian. He blew it royally. And because he blew it royally, now things inside of him changed. He, the Bible mentions this, he was scared for the first time. Never mentions up to this point him being afraid. Now he was afraid that he was going to be killed. Not only that, people started judging him. Israelites start saying, who are you to tell us what to do? We saw what you did. <laughs> we know what kind of guy you are. We know where you came from. Look at And they started judging him. So the Bible says his world got bad. And so he ran. And he ran to try to find somewhere safe, try to find somewhere comfortable. And he tried to, and the Bible says for the next 40 years, he built the life that he could live. He became a shepherd, he found a wife, he got married, he took care of sheep, and he lived in a wilderness. Just living life normally. Just living life normally. And what's weird about it was, for some reason he was content during that normal living life. Because there was a time that he had dreams. There was a time he had, he had uh, aspirate. There was a time he had purpose. There was a time he knew God had, he had destiny. But yet now he finds himself 40 years just living life. In a wilderness, in a hard place, in a difficult time. That's where I believe we are right now. I believe what's, what's going on in the middle of our pandemic. I believe that the church, you and me, Moses... We're in a wilderness going through a hard time. And this is my fear. The enemy's trying to get people comfortable living life. Just trying to take care of their family. Just trying to take care of their wife. Just trying to take care of their, their needs. Trying to get to a place where their life seems to be okay. And you say, well, Cricket, that don't sound so bad. It does not unless you realize you were born for more. Until you wake up. And the Bible says that there was a day he was walking in the wilderness, and he had gone back to me spiritually asleep. He was just getting up every day. He didn't even own the sheep he was watching. He was, he was, a, he, he was watching somebody else's sheep. But he heard someone call his destiny. The Bible says he saw a bush catch on fire, and when he looked at it and went, he heard the word Moses. Do you know the word Moses means deliverer? Destiny began to call him. And when he had called him, he says, Moses, he got closer to the Bible says, and the guy said, Moses, he got closer, and then God said, Stop. He says, 
For you to come any closer, you're going to have to take your shoes off because this is holy ground. He'd been living normal life. But he was awoken by the call of destiny on God on his life and he found himself moving into a place of holy ground. Do you know why I believe God told him to take his shoes off? Because God wanted him to be comfortable and stay there. Never to go back to living a normal life. You know, when I get home, first thing I usually do is kick my shoes off. If you watched during the pandemic, I preached 90% of our messages without shoes. Because I didn't have to. Alright, so when I do wear shoes, I try to wear flashy ones. Alright, but I'd rather be barefoot. That's just the way. But see, Moses, he told Moses, take your shoes off. Because, see, those shoes were for living out there. You need to kick them off. This is where you're going to be from now on. He was awoken to the fact that nothing in his life could ever be the same. There's purpose, there's destiny, and it's time to move. But the problem with it is, because of mistakes, because of issues, because of things that have happened in the first 80 years of his life, he felt like they had disqualified him, or he had gone to sleep to the purpose of what God could do. We're going to pick up right here. We'll go through this real fast. The Bible says he walked up there, and God said, Moses, it's time. Everything you've known your whole life. Let me ask you this. What dreams did you carry? 15 years ago? What desires did you have for doing things for God when you were first saved? When you were a teenager and you were a child, what was that driving force on the inside of you that you were so excited about doing something that would change everything, but because life has just been hard, or life has just been difficult, or because circumstances in your life out of your control, or even if you made mistakes like Moses did, killed somebody that forced you to get a mundane life now, you've given up on. This is what the enemy trying to do then. This is what the enemy trying to do now. To keep the dispensation from changing. The Bible says that the church has a role in this. The Bible says the Lord cannot come back until the gospel is preached all around the world. That's one of the, 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 the things to get us through this transition. We have to get aggressive at preaching the gospel. And it's happening at a faster rate than it's ever happened before. By the church going down and having to go online, now there's more church services and more viewers online around the world. than We've got people right now, almost every service we have people in Africa watching, we've had people in Russia watching, at this church. And this ain't even, this is a church in a small town in Arkansas. Other churches going around the world. It's happening, but it can't happen without the church. The thing is, God doesn't want it to happen without you. But if we don't choose to wake up in this season, you can sleep through the moment you were born for. And it says that Moses got and realized, wow, this is God. This is God. It's holy ground. And God said, Moses, I want to use you right now. And then this is what Moses began. He gave five excuses why God couldn't use him. I'll be laying in bed by Jennifer sometimes. I'm like, hey, baby, you awake? No. Well, as a matter of two days ago, I said, are you awake? And she goes, mm. That's what I got. So I said, like, I better wait. <laughs> I said, hey, baby, you awake? No. Then a few minutes she got out and went to the bathroom, came back in. I thought, well, you walked, you're awake. Hey, leave me alone, I'm not awake yet. And there were all these times of why she wasn't awake yet. All right? In your life, the enemy's tried to put us to sleep in the point of give us reasons why we think we should be able to stay asleep. Why we shouldn't have to take the aggressive part of this. Why? The first excuse was he said this. He said, I'm not good enough. 
I'm not good enough. You don't understand. Uh, you know, I've made too many mistakes. It's been too long. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm in a bad situation. I'm married the wrong person. I'm not good enough. I want to hear today. If you have an excuse for not to get aggressive and woken in the spirit world to your destiny right now, you're using an excuse. You're asleep. You are good enough. That's why you were born here and now. You are the one that God has called. That's why God has called you and saved you. Back when you were living in the world, doing what you wanted to, you heard God awaken you and call you into the kingdom of God. And now when He brought you here, somehow the enemy has lured us back asleep. Now we have excuses that, well, He can't use me. Another excuse, another excuse was, I don't have all the answers. Moses said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You need to know something. You don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is know the answer. His name is Jesus. If you can say the name Jesus, that's all the answer you need. If somebody says, how are you going to get through this? Jesus. Somebody say, what do we need to do? We need to get closer to Jesus. If Jesus is the answer. You don't have to have the answers. You just got to know the answer. So if you're using the excuse, I don't have the answers, you don't need to know the answers. You just know, know the answer. Your relationship. Is it third excuse he uses, people won't believe me. They, there were people that saw him beat somebody. They don't think he made this up. That Christian stuff is crazy. That end time stuff is insane. There's no way that, 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 that all that can take place. There's no way. People won't believe. That's why I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like you wanted to tell somebody about God, but you thought they were going to think you were stupid? You thought that they were going to doubt it? Or they were going to not believe it? I want you to know that is, that is a telltale sign that the enemy tried to put you to sleep. And the danger is this. You can sleep through this thing. You can sleep through your destiny. The next one is, well, I, I'm a terrible speaker. God said, I want to use you to go say, I can't talk, I slur, I stutter. He was saying, my, my, my disabilities, I've got to be honest with you. I have, I'm ADD, I'm ADHD, I have dyslexia, whatever you, however you say that word properly. I have about a fourth grade reading education probably. It used to be third, but I've been working on it really hard. I am the last person to ever be teaching anybody anything. But it's not about your limitations. God looks for people that when they look, I say, I, I, when I read the scripture, I, I, I don't really, I'm never, I don't, I understand, I'll never be a stallion, but I understand how God uses things. He, he chose to ride a donkey because it's not about the ride, it's about the rider. And so the reason why God uses people with limitations or slurred speech or problems or difficult, that you would, it just what you would think disqualifies you. If the enemy can get you to say that God can't do that, you just went to sleep. Because God can use a little boy to feed 5,000. God can use the hated brother, the baby of the child, the spoiled rotten one, to lead a nation and save the entire nation of Israel. God can use the unlikely. He always picks from the back of the line. Look at David. You've got to say, if the enemy's got you convinced that because you can't, God won't, you're asleep. Then he said this, I'm not qualified. Not qualified. I, there's other people that could do this better. There's other people. This is the dangerous one. That's what's going on in the church right now. People won't step up and take their ranks in this transitional season because they, they're going to let somebody else do it. There's other people that can. Aaron, go get Aaron. But Moses could have slept through his moment. We're at the brink, but I want to, that's the best. I'm going to flip real quick, five minutes on the good stuff. The good news is this. If you have an excuse, then you need to know you can wake up. Because if you will wake up, 
God is willing to show up and do everything through you that you've dreamed of it happening and taking place. Because Moses said this, how will they know this is from you? Who do I say that you are? He said, tell them that I am that I am. He said, well, what if they don't believe me? Then God said this, I'm going to give you supernatural power. I'm going to give you supernatural power. And Moses was like, what are you talking about? He said, all right, take your stick and throw it down. The Bible says when he threw that stick down, his stick hit the ground and became... It's in in uh, Exodus chapter 3 and 4. It hit the ground and it became a snake. What is God telling? This is a promise. If you can realize where we're at right now, the brink of time we're in, that this is your moment, this is your day, if you will wake up, what will happen right now is the things in your life that seem to be dead. There was a dead stick. You give them and allow the Lord to use them, they will come alive. Wake up. Your marriage that you think is over, boom. When you get it out of your hand, you give it to God, that stick comes alive. That job you think is over, you give it to God. Boom. It'll come alive again. That finances, boom. Your health, boom. All of those things that you've been holding on to, trying to make them work. That, was, that staff was his identity. It was his job. It was his status quo. In the Jewish people, when they carried a staff, that meant they were somebody. In the children of Israel, the ones that carried a staff, they were the leaders. This was everything he had made for his life to be. When he laid it down before the Lord, what he was trying to hold on to, God was able to bring it to life. God will change your marriage. God will change your finances. God will change. I, I've told you the testimony about our finances. It's amazing what God's done in the middle of this pandemic. Because we said, God, it's yours. I don't want to miss my moment. I'm going to choose to be awake right now. And it's going to come alive. Then the Bible said this. He said, reach down and pick that snake up. That sounds bad enough. But then he tells him where to touch it at. He said, pick him up by the tail. Now, anybody that's been around any kind of snake knows that's not what you do. That's the most dangerous place to pick a snake up at. What is God saying? God's promise to you is this. If you will wake up, if you will allow Him to use you right now, that even if the, what the enemy tries to harm you with, God will not allow it to affect you. He reached down and picked up a snake by the tail, and the Bible says, boom, that snake died, turned back into a wood. I'm here to tell you this. If the enemy's got you so afraid that you're going to get affected or killed, hurt by COVID-19, you need to understand something. God has given you authority over anything the enemy's going to try to use in your life right now. I'm saying be smart. I'm saying do it right. But if you get bit, you don't got to worry. Paul was a temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Jesus' body was absolutely full of dead blood cells. He was dead. And the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. When the Holy Spirit comes in, I don't care if it's dead blood cells, I don't care if it's cancer, I don't care if it's COVID-19, it can't stay in the same place that the Holy Spirit is. Not saying that it won't try. The Bible says Paul, he picked up sticks and a snake bit him. A deadly viper bit him. And the Bible says he shook it off. We're sitting here looking at a miracle this morning. Miss Doris had COVID-19 just about a month ago and it was so afraid and it was so scary at the moment but it had no effect on her no effect on her because she is the temple of the Holy Ghost she was awakened to the fact that though evil can befall her or plague come near her dwelling he's given his angels charge around about you You, if you will choose to wake up you can reach down and pick up the authority that Jesus has given you over even all this I'm not saying be stupid I'm saying use wisdom And don't live in fear. Because this is your moment. You were born for this. And you can, God will supernaturally show out in your life if you'll be willing to just do what He says.
Then he said this. Put you out. Well, he said, well, that's a pretty cool trick, you know. Uh, but Ms. Doris, she, it didn't affect her because COVID don't affect everybody. That's different. He said, all right, then put your hand in your jacket. He put his hand in his jacket and he pulled it out. It was covered with leprosy. That was one of the most shameful, embarrassing, hated sicknesses you could possibly have in the Bible. If you got that, people wouldn't get around you. If you got that, they talked about you. They called you unclean, the Bible says. You even had to say out of your mouth, I'm unclean when you got close to people. What is all that about? I'm here to tell you, if you will wake up right now, those things on the inside of you, those things going on on the inside that you've been carrying since the devil put in you when you were a child. Every hurt, every bruise, every failure, every disappointment. You know, he, he was afraid to go back into Egypt because he thought, you know what, my past, what I've done in the past, I've covered up, I put a coat over, I didn't want to wait. Nobody out here knows I'm a murderer. Nobody knows out here I beat somebody. But if I go back there, everybody knows who I am and I'll be exposed. God's saying this, if you will let what the enemy's done in your past, in your, he put his hand in and God pulled out all the shameful, all the sickness, all the brokenness that was inside, hidden. And then God said this, now put your hand back in. And he put it back in, pulled out and he was completely healed. Here's your promise if you'll wake up at this moment in your destiny and realize now's my time. Everything that you have on the inside of you that's been broken, sick, shameful, hurt. God is going to allow that to be healed. He promises you it will be fixed. And what people would have judged you for in the past, it will be proof that God is in your future. And then he said this. Alright, that's not enough. It's not enough, God. That's, you know, yeah, they are, we can get over that. I mean, God's testimony is this. You know, I used to be a sinner. Now I'm saved. That's normal. He's all right, well, let's go out of the normal realm now. If you're going to just keep finding excuses, Moses... I want you to go down to the Nile and get you a cup of water. The Bible says he got a cup of water. And God said, pour it on the ground. And when he poured it on the ground, the water became blood. What are you saying, Cricket? See, God took what was natural and he turned it into something supernatural. Check out this. Is it not odd that in Revelations, this is what the Bible says, when he's talking about the last days, that he will destroy the works of the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and by not loving our own life unto death, pick up that snake. See, God's willing to show up if you're willing to wake up. And what you're going through right now, if you want to focus on how bad it is and you know, just stay involved in everything going on in the natural, you don't realize where we are supernaturally, you are going to spiritually sleep through this moment. You're going to go right through this moment, stay so focused on your finances, stay so focused on you trying to stay healthy, stay so that you're going to miss this transition into your destiny. But you're going to have to wake up. You say, well, Cricket, how do I do that? I told this in the first service. Yeah, and I'm probably going to get beat up by my wife when I get home for telling us about her sleeping habits. Pray for her. Okay? But I learned a little trick at my house. When I'm awake, if I wake up early, and I want her to be awake as I am, there's a little something I can do. There's a cup of water. I keep a bottle of water right beside my bed. And I've tried it one time. And I'm here to tell you, it works so well I don't even have to try it again. I know it works. And I take that little bit of water, I splash it on and say, you awake now? And it, 
boom, Jennifer was on her feet, completely awake, fighting mad, ready to go at me. I didn't have to convince her to get up at all again. I poured a little water on her. You say, well, Cricket, what are you doing? This is what God says at this moment. He says, in the last days, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. And your young men will prophesy, your old men will see dreams. If you desire a pour of water that will release supernatural into your life, and you will begin to do things supernaturally that could only come from God at this moment, then you're just going to have to ask Him to pour His Spirit out on all flesh. This is my prayer for this church. This is my prayer for my family. This is my prayer for our nation. God, pour a little water. God, pour Your Spirit out on our church. Pour to where even if I try to stay asleep, I can't. That I wake up in the morning soaking wet that I can't sit in bed any longer. I have to get up. I have to do something. I have to get on my feet. I have to begin to fight. It works. Try it in the morning. If you're sleeping by your husband, wake up before he does and throw a little water on him. Or if you're sleeping by your wife, wake up in the morning and throw a little water on him. And if they get mad, you can just tell them, call me because I told them to do it. I want to hear it. I'll laugh my head off with it. It works. I promise. And it will work now. If you say, Cricket, I feel spiritually asleep. I'm just going through this stuff like it's going through, but I know this is the moment. I can see it in the news when I turn it on. I can see it all around the world. I can see it in my own family. It's amazing how marriages right now are just kind of drifting apart when they've had to spend more time together now in history than they've ever had to spend. Kids are drifting apart because they've been isolated alone for so long during all this. The churches are emptier today because they've not been allowed there. People are just going to sleep. And Jesus said, when I come back, don't let me find you asleep. Awaken, church. Awaken. Awaken. And it's our job. We can choose whether or not we want to awake. Cricket, I don't know what to do. Moses didn't either. All he had to do was be obedient as God told him to do what he told him to do. You say, well, what does that mean? When we go out to feed people, show up. Feed people. When we pray for people, show up. Pray for people. Just be a part of what God's doing. Moses did not know anything when he went into Pharaoh's camp that ten plagues were coming. But he just showed up and God said, all right, Moses, you did what I asked you to do. If they don't want to do what I'm telling them to do, I will make them see me through you. And boom, he became one of the most powerful figures in all of history. It's amazing what God used that man to do. God's wanting to use you to do the exact same thing. These are in the last days. These are the last minutes. The clock is ticking down. You can stay asleep if you want to, but if you do, you're about to miss something. Or you can say, pour some water on me. Father God, I ask you to pour your rain down on this church right now in the name of Jesus. Saturate this room right now in the name of Jesus. Awaken spirits. Awaken dead dreams. Awaken desires right now in the name of Jesus. Awaken hunger where we can't just stay in bed. We can't just stay at home. We can't just stay away. But awaken us and release your power, your supernatural spirit into our lives to see miracles happen. When we lay hands on the sick, they recover. When we pick up the serpents, they will not harm us. We will speak your name. We will open blind eyes. I thank you that you're anointing us 
right now in the name of Jesus. We declare that we will not stay asleep any longer. But I wake up. I don't even got to feel awake. I just got to know I need to be there. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, a lot of times I didn't want to get up, but I had to because I had a job to do. And you may not feel like you need to want to wake up right now. You need to do it anyway. You need to do it anyway. Get up. God will give you the supernatural strength to do more than you've ever done in this moment like you've never seen in the name of Jesus.